welcome to another episode of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. Johnny Manziel will become even bigger in the city of Cleveland than his buddy and business partner LeBron James ever was. With Christian Ainsworth. Ben Simmons to me is the fifth best basketball player in the world. And Price Carter. Under pressure? Yes, Kawhi is better than Kobe was. I'm here to tell you about the player that's going to take the NFC East by storm and also get some MVP votes. We're talking about Danny Dimes. That might be the worst take I've ever heard. Okay, well, it's time to look ahead to Chiefs Ravens. Um, You know, this time last year, Chiefs Ravens was going to be the best football game that had ever been played. Monday night football was going to was so hyped about, you know, the MVP matchup. And this was the last time the Chiefs were an underdog and probably will be an underdog. And last time they were a three point dog on the road against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And a lot has changed since then. What are your thoughts about the Ravens coming into the Sunday night matchup? And I feel bad for them and not because we're going to beat them, which is going to happen, but because they're just having one of those seasons that's just not meant to be. I mean, we talked uh, privately about the Gus Edwards thing, like, or J.K. Dobbins going down and Gus Edwards being the guy. And I'm like, dang, you stole him from him in, the, in our fantasy draft. I knew he was going to be a good pick. And then he goes down and I'm like, okay, well, you know, I, I guess that's not really lucky. It's unfortunate, but it was like, well, you know, I didn't, you know, spend a pick on him. It's at least good for my fantasy. Look, team. man, you don't need to rub it in. Okay. <laughs> I had like, look, I had like, team Gus bus I was I was all in on the Gus Edwards train and um the Gus Edwards bus excuse me and I'm I'm hurt okay especially because I was one of the dummies that chased their tail around with Lamar Jackson and Latavius Murray or you know I would excuse me Le'Veon Bell Le'Veon Bell yeah Latavius Murray like I was ready to try to find the person and I'm sitting here watching Monday Night Football and Tyson Williams is balling out and looks really good for the Ravens, which we'll get to here in a second. But I, I agree with what you're saying. We love to pick on Lamar Jackson as Chiefs fan, mainly because we own so much um, free rent, as they say on the on the interwebs, and Ravens fans' head and Raven the Ravens team in general. But I mean, man, what a terrible time for him to have a contract year, and what a terrible time for them to really struggle with injury because this was, and I said this all along this was a make or break year for Lamar because this was the year that he was either going to set himself up in a truly elite status. He finally had, you know, several years in the system, good playmakers around him and was going to get the wide receivers to help him. And instead, you know, they've been ravished by injuries. The most important being Marcus Peters. Um, I know we want to, I know we want to pay attention to, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and some of the other injuries that they've had. And yes, they are a scheme that relies on running backs, but also, um, you know, Marcus Peters is a great corner for that offense or that defense and really allows them to play aggressive and losing him is a big deal. Oh yeah. And, And super unfortunate. I mean, we could go down the list of all the injuries that they have, but honestly, I think that you're right. I think Marcus Peters I honestly, I think I'm, I'm more scared about their CB situation than I am anything else. That's not something you want to be worried about when you're going to play your biggest AFC rival, especially when they're the Chiefs. Like, yeah, I think this might be a bounce back game for McCole Hardman, who, you know, might as well not even suited up last game just because the lack of depth. Like, I think Mahomes is just going to have a party throwing all over the field and slinging it. He's going to be MVP candidate. 
And I think it might be a revenge game for OBJ as well, which should be interesting. I'm super excited to see him pile drive some of his former teammates into the ground. Yeah, well, let's let's get into it a little bit here. We're going to stick with our three big um, things to watch here. Um, I'll I'll go first, and I think this one usually I try to come up with a true like on the field type of thing, but to me, the you know they say there's nothing more dangerous than a caged animal or an animal that feels like it's trapped. That is how I feel like the Ravens are coming into this game. Um, They first off, know that the Chiefs have dominated them. They have heard about it nonstop. They are tired of hearing about it, and it pisses them off. Then they went and got the person who hates the Chiefs more than any Ravens player themselves, Justin Houston, and like, oh, this guy hates the Chiefs. You're perfect. And they also have – I'm sure that they have felt completely screwed and cheated by injury this year. Can they, you know, find a player that's going to be as good as Marcus Peters, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, et cetera, et cetera? Probably not. Nick Boyle is not going to play in this game. Neither is Rashad Bateman. We know that. But, you know, the Chiefs are, they are their arch nemesis. And I think that it is super important for the Chiefs to come in here and to not let the Ravens hang around. I would love to see them get out to a fast start and let them hang their heads and feel bad for themselves and, you know, ho-hum. And obviously we know that the Ravens are a team that plays tremendous when they're ahead, but struggle to come from behind. But in this game, I truly think, you know, with the rebuild offensive line, hopefully Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew are both back. The Chiefs have an opportunity to really enforce their will on the Ravens offense, especially. It's Mark Andrews. It's Hollywood Brown. It's, you know, you know, whatever Sammy Watkins is right now. And that's it. Tyson Williams is looking pretty good in this game. Um, of course, I, like I said, missed out on him. But this offense should not be one that should be destroying the Chiefs like the Browns did. So I would really like to see the Chiefs come in here, execute, get up early, and really, really take a hold of this game and not let them hang around because the Ravens have everything on the line in their mind. Oh, yeah. And and I think how you do that, you mentioned his name, Marquise Brown. One of the guys we had the most trouble with whenever we played the Browns, ironically, was uh, it was Anthony Schwartz who was a wide receiver coming out of college. Uh, he's a rookie this year. Um, and it was one of the reasons why is because he just had so much speed. And, and we know our wide or our cornerbacks, Charvarius Ward especially, has trouble with speed. I think that Marquise Brown has the potential to have a really good game. I think it will have to be uh, one of the top priorities of our defense and especially our game plan going in is shutting him down. He's, he's improved a lot since he was a rookie. He's got the Tyree Kill comp, so we – all know he's fast and short. Um, that's one of the biggest things we have to look at going into this game. For sure. What's uh, what's your first takeaway for this game or first thing to look for? Oh, yeah, just Marquise Brown. I think we need to shut him down. I think we need oh, to, okay. I to got you. make sure the defense, especially the back end, um, plays well going up against him. I think that's going to have to be one of our keys to winning the game. My second takeaway here is going to be that the Chiefs absolutely need to have great communication up front. Um, I know that's a little cliche. Obviously, the offensive line is going to be a continued point of emphasis for all Chiefs fans this season. But the Ravens are a team that really blitzes a lot. We know this to be true. It's been well-documented. And Mahomes historically has carved up the blitz. Now, with that being said, 
you remember back to that McCole Hardman play where they roasted Marcus Peters. Mahomes did his typical 72 step drop back for that. That, uh, that may not work with Orlando Brown and the rest of the offensive line, the way that it was um, last week. So it's going to be super important that the offensive line communicates on these blitzes, picks them up well, and allows Mahomes to continue to carve out that blitz. I think that we'll see a lot of RPO. We saw more of that this week than we've seen. Hopefully Creed Humphrey. I guess that was the one bad thing about Creed is he had a couple of ineligible um, receiver downfield where he was getting past the line of scrimmage on those RPOs. But, you know, I, I really think that this is a game for the offensive line to come out and announce themselves. You know, Orlando Brown wants to be good against them. Um, I, I think that this is a game that the offensive line has got to come out, got to really um, stand up hard against the, a good defensive front that's got some guys on it, and that will allow the Chiefs to kind of do what they need to. Oh, yeah, and, and kind of pairing with that, um, good offensive line play is, is going to be important for mine, which is I think that we need to be good at our third and fourth wide receiver spot slash tight end. I think McColl needs to have a really big game. You're going up against their third cornerback. And Marlon Humphrey, the top of their list, is really, really good. He's one of the premier cornerbacks in the league. But I think that we have to, and, and you kind of talked about this um, in our last podcast, is, is we need help. We need a third option. And I think that McColl Hardman, this is going to be his game to do it. I think that if he's going to break out this season, like he says he can, I'm not saying that he can, but you know, he says that he is way better than he was last year. I think this is going to be the make or break game for him. And I think it's, it's not going to be extremely important to the win because I think we might be able to do it anyway. But I think that McCole Hardman really could have an effect on this game and, you know, kind of break in and, and show everybody, you know, shut me up mostly. Yeah, and I, I do think that this is a good place for him to step up. It, you know, he's got the confidence from last year. I do think that it's, it's looking like Jimmy Smith will probably be healthy enough to play. Um, he's their slot guy. You know, Marlon Humphrey and Jimmy Smith is still a pretty formidable sec- secondary. But, yeah, um, definitely McCole Hardman, this is a great opportunity for him to step up. He's had that success before, and he is kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back when it comes to speed. Um, my final takeaway is going to be something that's incredibly obvious, but still super important. I just saw a tweet from, this is one of Sully's guys, one that he's big friends with here, um, but uh, Charles McDonald, he's a big, um, big NFL guy. Um, he writes for, he's a senior writer for For the Win, and he tweeted, when do NFL teams start to figure out Lamar Jackson? Kind of, you know, in the spirit of like, oh, you know, just wait until they figure out Patrick Mahomes. And I tweeted when they asked the chiefs because the chiefs have not only had Lamar Jackson's number as a passer, but they've really limited him as a runner. And what, to me, the thing that they have eliminated so well from Lamar Jackson, when they play him is the thing where they get upfield pass rushing. And then Lamar runs up the gut for like 43 yards. He's so good at that. And it's so hard because you're, you know, every other player in the league, you want to get upfield and push and push pressure on and have that pocket collapse. But the chiefs have been so good about having someone, a spy or someone stay home on the line engage to take away that running lane from them. And then the other thing they do so well is they do not allow Lamar to get around the corner. They'll let him go side to side, but he never rounds that corner. And if so, they have 
you know, Thornhill or I think they even leveraged Dorian O'Daniel a little bit last year in that type of role. And this is a game that Willie Gay is going to be missed because Willie Gay is one of the few players that has the sideline to sideline speed. Um, I know we were, you know, tongue in cheek, making fun of Nick Bolton a little bit, but Nick Bolton chasing Lamar Jackson, you're going to feel like he's wearing cement blocks for his feet. So Daniel Sorensen is probably going to be in that role. Some um, Juan Thornhill, God forbid, Ben Neiman, but the Chiefs just need to continue to take away Lamar Jackson's big playmaking ability, which is his legs. And then, yes, he is good at the home run every once in a while when it's play action and everyone bites on it. But more than anything, they got to keep Lamar Jackson being that guy who doesn't throw for 100 yards. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the ways you do that, you mentioned it, um, which is actually my third uh, keys to winning slash takeaway is the defensive ends have got to step up their game. Now, I really hope that Frank Clark uh, comes back for this game. I know he takes a lot of heat. Um, I like to give him some heat every once in a while. He is was missed this past week, uh, especially in the run defense. You know, his uh, whatever has happened to him since he's come to Kansas City has, has kind of limited him as a pass rusher. But you do not run the ball at Frank Clark. Like, he is very, very good at setting the edge. And this is going to be a little bit of an easier game. I think that you have to have to set the edge. And, and that means Chris Jones coming out and setting the actual, like he, he cannot do what he did this past game and watch guys push him to the back of the pocket or get so much penetration that he's in the backfield. They run right past him. There were multiple times where they had one guy out there and just said, make sure he stays to the outside, give him, give him the outside. And he would they'd give him the outside. He'd, leave a wide open hole for Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt to run through. I think that he has to be better. I, I think that the defensive line in general has to be better. We we cannot let Lamar Jackson beat us. And, and that's one of the best ways to do it is making sure he can't get outside and making sure those running backs can't get outside either. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so predictions um, for me, I think this will be a game that Maybe we can turn – and Lamar Jackson has had good games against uh, the Chiefs. The game in Arrowhead, uh, he did play well. But overall, I'm expecting this game to be a little bit closer than we like. It seems like the Chiefs tend to play close games. But I do expect the Chiefs' offense to put in some work. And I know Sunday Night Football, Andy Reid is going to break out some of the top-shelf plays. Um, I'm going to go with Chiefs with the win – having to hold off some Ravens hard charging here in the fourth quarter. I'm going to go Chiefs 31, Ravens 28. Okay, so so we're a little off on our predictions here. I think that it's going to be this defense, especially if Tyron's back. He, he does not put up with subpar defensive play. We saw it since he came in, and we you know he has not let up his, I don't know what you would call that, signature style of playing defense. I think that that this defense is going to come back. We're going to get our hard-nosed safety back. We're going to get our sometimes a little overly too confident defensive end back in Frank Clark. And, and I think we're going to hold them to just over 21 points. I think they're going to get some garbage points in, in the fourth quarter. And I think it's going to be 21 to 38. Patrick Mahomes, Nicole Hardman, maybe even Jordy, Jody Fortson making a statement, hey, last week was a fluke. Um, and we are the AFC title contenders, Chiefs 38, Ravens 21, and I believe the Chiefs win. Well, 
not that this is going to change the outcome, but as I'm watching the game, the uh, Ravens just had their sixth player that's probably on have a season-ending injury. Left guard Tyree Phillips was just carted off the field. Um, so it might be Ben Cleveland season, which he was one of my draft crushes, but certainly not the way you want to see it happen. He was one of your draft crushes? Dude, I, I loved him coming in. Dude, Ben Cleveland owns so many guns. I know it. Like I, <laughs> Ben Cleveland has like three Browning shotguns in his apartment no doubt i dude i want to drink a beer with that man oh yeah dude him and quentin miners i was like dude both of those guys coming in i'm like listen i born i was born in a hick town i'm a country bumpkin dude i'll i'll drink some natty light with that guy i showed my wife a picture of ben cleveland and she's like you know him you personally do you, do you know him and i was like whoa whoa he's like a nfl player he's not like one of my friends she's like oh i i thought you had his number i was like damn yeah, I wish. He's he, super good guy, um, at least as far as I've heard. Um, and dude, definitely, I was secretly hoping we would take him at some point. But anyway. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and get off here, guys. Go Chiefs. We're excited for Chiefs Ravens. We'll be back with you Monday night, hashing over the game. Um, we'll be tweeting along at Price A. Carter is where you can follow me on Twitter. And at CBreezy underscore edits for me. I just put out a Chiefs hype video, so go watch that. I need more views. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, as always, to Not Just Another Sports Podcast. Thanks, guys. See ya. All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. Uh, today, I have a very special treat for you guys. I'm talking with Army veteran and co-host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, David Drogmeyer, I believe is how it's pronounced. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing really well. You got really close. It's Drogemeyer, but that's a really tough last name. If you guys see my name on Twitter, you know that it's definitely pretty intimidating, but I'm doing great, man. The season is finally here. I cannot wait. I am super excited to see what the NFL has in store this year. Oh, yeah, dude. This is a, especially for the AFC West, it's a pretty competitive division, especially this year. Uh, I'm really excited to see where everything lands and and uh, and hopefully get a little bit of your knowledge to come away with today. So let's really, uh, man, let's do it. Yeah, let's let's just get right into it. So this has been a pretty important offseason, uh, especially for the front office for the Chargers this year. You guys hired a new head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Uh, I believe the head coach is Brandon Staley, who is one of my favorite coaches aside from Andy Reid. You know, relating to that, we we just fired our uh, defensive coordinator in 2019, Bob Sutton, and, and brought in Steve Spagnolo, and and everybody kind of had this expectation that that the defense would immediately rise and and be a top 15 defense in the league, and and I, I think that's asking a little much, but uh, you know, just coming from our place and and the expectations we had, I wanted to ask you, what are your expectations? for this upcoming season with the new head coach, where do you expect to be? And, and what do you feel like the expectations of Chargers fans in general are? I would say the expectations around the Chargers are very high. I think there's a lot of optimism in the air. Fans are very excited for this season. There's a lot of new change, a lot of turnover, but it was all needed. The Chargers were not doing very well in one score games. And a lot of that had to do with coaching and Anthony Lynn's bad decisions. And I feel a lot more confident in Brandon Staley's position here and how he's going to run games and how he is running his ship. And he's just such a breath of fresh air. 
He's a completely different type of communicator than the Chargers have had with the last couple of head coaches, whether it was Cole, whether it was Mike McCoy or Malibu Mike, as I like to call him, uh, because he's completely like, or actually, let's go with Milk Toast McCoy. That's a little bit more accurate because his press conferences were incredibly dry. You, you would not get anything out of him, and Anthony Lynn was not much better. Brandon Staley is a completely different person. He's a very strong communicator. He's confident in his abilities. He's incredibly intelligent, and he's very, very detail-oriented. So the Chargers feel like they found themselves a very hot commodity, young, up-and-coming head coach, and the optimism is real. My expectations for the Chargers this year is that they make it to the playoffs. This, this team is so talented on both sides of the ball. They have players at every level of the defense that are impact guys. They have all kinds of weapons on offense with a much better offensive line. And, of course, Justin Herbert, the reigning offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, how exciting it is, right, to have a dynamic person at quarterback like I, I remember the first years watching Mahomes and of course he had that incredible breakout season uh, his first full year starting but I kind of saw the same shades not really necessarily the same play style but you know that like burst onto the scene that Justin Herbert had last year and to think it was because of a punctured lung like that's just crazy to me a lot of players make their their names in different ways and and taking an opportunity you know the term next man up uh, Justin Herbert really took that to heart, man. Yeah. I, I mean, as far as Tyrod Taylor is concerned, that was a, a horrible accident and it's unfortunate that that ever happened, but Justin Herbert had nothing to do with that. All he could do was go out there and play his game and be who he was. And you saw what happened. He was very, very close to beating the chiefs in that game with zero preparation. He got very little work with the ones in training camp because Tyrod Taylor was always going to be the guy he was, supposed to be the starter. They were comfortable with Tyrod as the starter and they wanted to give it some time until they felt like Justin Herbert was ready, but there was no time for that. He got shoved out of the frying pan and into the fire and it was go. And you saw Justin Herbert grow week after week. He was a guy that you could see make a mistake. And then a, a game or two later, he would not make that same mistake. Like he threw an interception across his body one game. And then in that same game later on, there was an opportunity where he could have done that again, but instead he ran and he got a first down. So that just shows you this guy's aptitude for learning, for adjusting, for making mistakes and learning from them. That is another part of what makes Justin Herbert so special. Oh yeah. And, and such a change from college, right? I mean, well, that was one of his main things was his decision-making and, and his repetitive decision or bad decision-making uh, in college. And, I don't think a lot of people had his breakout season pegged, but that that offense in college did not do anything to showcase what Justin Herbert brings to the table. It was a lot of quick dink and dunk passes, get the ball out of his hands quickly. And this guy has a rocket arm. This guy can throw 70 yards flat footed with ease like it's not any problem. So the offense that they had at Oregon was not utilizing his skill set to the best of its ability. And then when you see him with the Chargers, you see them air it out, throw it down the field, be very, very effective doing that. And you're like, where the hell was this guy? Well, they like I said, Oregon's offense did him no favors. Oh, yeah. Um, well, speaking of rookies, we'll, we'll move on to the regular season here. Uh, at the beginning of every regular season, 
you know, teams and fans alike are, are watching to see who stands out amongst the rookies and, and their newly acquired free agents. Uh, me, as a Chiefs fan, I love watching uh, the Chiefs new players and the Mizzou players that uh, I'm also a University of Missouri student. I should mention that. Um, Very cool. And yeah, I, I love watching the players that make it into the league, uh, like Tyree Gillespie, you know, Larry Roundtree, another one that yes. is on your team. Uh you know, I really love watching them come into the scene, especially watching them from the, you know, the college stands to the actual NFL. Uh, I guess my question to you is, who are the new players on the Chargers that you are most excited to watch? And are you as high on Larry Roundtree as I and some of your colleagues are? I am extremely high on Larry Roundtree. I have loved everything that I've seen from this kid. He is a hard worker. He's an underrated pass catcher. He's very decisive. He's explosive. He doesn't have incredible top end speed but he gives you explosive plays in the preseason alone. He had three or four runs of 10 plus yards and it's because he made a decision, made a cut and went up the field. And that's what you want from a running back. The chargers have had a lot of issues with their goal to go situations, giving it to a running back and then fumbling inside the five yard line. You can't have that. You cannot have that in the NFL. So I truly believe a huge reason why they brought Larry Roundtree into the chargers was because they needed some, someone who had a track record of success in short yardage situations on third down and in the red zone. I expect him to get a lot of those opportunities early and often. But as far as this rookie class is concerned, you can't look any further than the first two picks. They were absolute home runs. It's the perfect marriage of need and player availability. When Rashawn Slater was there at 13, it absolutely boggled my mind. As he kept going and getting past team after team, I was getting antsy. I was like, put a trade package together. Make it happen. This absolutely has to be the place that he plays. The Chargers have been looking for a left tackle for a long time. They have not had anyone that could really hold down that spot. And you felt like, yeah, that dude, that dude can protect my quarterback. Now, now they have that guy for sure. Rashawn Slater is an absolute animal. He was giving Joey Bosa fits in practice and training camp. And Joey Bosa is one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL. So if he's able to do well against the guy of that stature, and we already know he has a pedigree of going up against Chase Young in college and winning most of those battles. It makes you feel so good that you have a young left tackle on a controllable cost-controlled five-year rookie contract, a guy that's going to protect Justin Herbert and let him sit back there and use that special arm talent to find guys like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And then I'll go to the second and third rounds real quick. The second round of Sante Samuel Jr., another situation where you had a perfect marriage. Casey Hayward, longtime corner for the Chargers, left in free agency, is now with the Raiders. And so the Chargers needed someone to fill that spot. They needed another corner that had a pedigree of success and they get Asante Samuel Jr. fall right in their lap. It just doesn't feel real. And that was when I said when the Chargers got those two guys back to back, it felt like it was surreal. It felt like I was dreaming. I could not believe their luck, their fortune, that they were able to marry their biggest needs with the best player available on our board. So really special guys. Josh Palmer is the guy I was talking about. Wide receiver out of Tennessee. He... <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me. He was a guy who really suffered for suffered from bad quarterback play. He is a guy who is a, a very hard worker. He is a open for the chargers and have played very well up to this point. Let's see if they can transfer that into the regular season. Yeah, dude, looking back at your draft, 
you know, first pick Rashawn Slater, absolute steal. Like you said, I, I was so surprised when he fell that far. Um, and then Asante Samuel Jr. He was one of the guys that I had mocked to the Chiefs at 31. Like it, yeah. he was a guy I was really high on, maybe a little bit higher than I should have been considering how far he fell. But uh, yeah, dude, just a crazy, crazy draft for you guys. Incredibly good. Josh Palmer, another great player. Trey McKitty, I thought was a, a pretty good pickup as well. A good athletic tight end that I think you guys could utilize, especially with Hunter Henry uh, leaving and going to the Patriots. I'll tell you what, we'll transition a little bit here as well and uh, talk about the interdivisional matchups here. So, you know, we deal with the AFC West over here at Arrowhead Live, and, and I'm a big fan of that and the competitive football as well. And it's been hard to kind of watch the Chargers seasons go down like they have in the past. Uh, you know, I guess whether it's injuries or, or just bad luck, my question is what's standing in the way of the Chargers making a big playoff push like we know that they can? I mean, this is a stout roster. Health, yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Seriously, the Chargers have so many weapons on both sides of the ball. If Derwin James plays 15-plus games, this Chargers team will be a playoff team. It's not if, it is a guarantee. If Derwin James plays at least 15 games, this Chargers defense will be top five in the league. He is an absolute monster. He can do anything that you ask him to do on the football field. He can play in the box. He can rush the passer. He can cover your best wide receiver. He can cover your tight ends. He can play back. He can do everything. And Brandon Staley is going to use him as such. He's going to put him all over the field where he feels like he can get Derwin James close to the action and close to the ball. So the Chargers are absolutely nasty if they're able to stay healthy. That offensive line, a lot of the turnover, four new starters there. But four guys that they feel like are a absolute upgrade over who they had last year, that's going to be a big thing. They got to stay healthy. Obviously, Justin Herbert, he has to be better protected. They have to be better with the play calling, and the special teams unit is of utmost importance. They were dead last in the NFL by football outsiders, 32nd in the league. They were one of the worst special teams units in NFL history. They had three blocked punts. Michael Badgley missed nine field goals. It was atrocious. So with the new special teams coordinator, Darius Swinton coming in and some concentration on special teams, specifically adding some guys to the roster to really impact that part of this team is going to be really important for the success of this team. If the Chargers just get average and I mean, average special teams play and they stay healthy, I don't feel like there's any reason why this team won't surprise a lot of people this season. Yeah, and uh, there aren't a lot of teams that I uh, am scared about in the AFC, you know, apart from the Bills and the and the Browns. But the Chargers this year, especially with that new head coach, with that incredible draft, with, you know, finally a really, really good quarterback under center. Not that Phillip Rivers wasn't, but, you know, this guy's a little bit more athletic. He can make a few more plays. It, it just seems like you guys are destined for a playoff run this year. Well, before we head out, I, I could just have a few uh, few more questions for you. Are there any takes that you feel like you're kind of ahead of the curve on? Like maybe you feel like something a lot of people aren't talking about besides a Charger playoff push? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I, I think the Miami Dolphins are going to be a, a scary team in the NFL. I mean, I know that's kind of that's that's kind of crazy, but that defense is going to be similar to the Chargers 
factors in the fact that they're going to really use disguise. They're going to really try to stress out offenses and they're going to keep them in a lot of games. If they get just average quarterback play from Tua, then this is going to be a very, very good football team. Oh yeah. So, so many uh, assets there on offense and defense as well. That Minka Fitzpatrick trade, I, I thought was going to deplenish them, but somehow I feel like it actually made them stronger, which is, which is crazy to say, but uh, all right. Well, good stuff, David. You can hear more of his incredible analysis uh, by following DRO talks SD or at locked on LAC on Twitter, or you can listen to the locked on chargers podcast on Spotify or Apple podcast. Thanks for coming on, man. It, I feel like it was a lot of fun. Hey, I am more than happy to do it. Thanks for inviting me. And if you want to do it again, just let me know. Awesome. Thanks, man.